a race is a race and the best person wins, isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> and uh, it was my second marathon. Liz McCalgan was in the race, so my strategy was Liz has run a good many marathons at this stage and uh, I'm going to stick with her as long as I can. And that's what I did. But at 30, so I stuck with her in Hallbrook, but two girls had gone on ahead. And at halfway, we got word back that um, there were 90 seconds or 92 seconds or something ahead of us. And in fairness to Liz, she said to me, if you're able, you better go. So I took her advice <laughs> and uh, I really got back in. That, my friend, was Katrina McKernan. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Winner of the Berlin Marathon with a record debut performance, Irish Marathon record holder with a time of 2 hours, 22 minutes and 23 seconds, taking first place in Amsterdam while chasing down the world record. We can't go past talking about being the winner of the prestigious London Marathon, one of the most iconic marathons on the world scene. I don't think we will ever see a runner of Katrina's quality again in our lifetime. She really has carved out her success through the pure love of running and continues to inspire and give back to the sport that she gained so much from. I'd just like to give our main sponsors Born to Run a shout out. The next race in the winter series, I think it's number four, is in Cabroni Park, Restrever County Down. There's both a 5 and 10k events. I hope to see you all there. I believe that the race starts at 11 o'clock. I really hope you enjoy the podcast as much as I did. Katrina really does hold a special place in the Irish athletics history books. A real gem and pleasure to have her on the show. I'd just like to thank everybody who has downloaded the podcast so far. Um, November was our biggest download month. We hit 3,000 downloads, which was absolutely amazing. So thank everyone for that. Make sure you share the words, spread the words, share it on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere you can. Um, really hope you will look forward to the next few weeks we've got a great lineup. I give you Katrina McKernan. So I'm always interested when people have performed really well, especially at a high level, on their background, you know, right back to their roots. Because um, you came from Carbon originally, yeah, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. And like, what was the running scene like, if anything, you know, in schools or? Yeah, no, there was very little at that stage because nobody was running. It wasn't the done thing. And, you know, where, where I lived was very rural and just there was camogie for the girls and football for, for boys. So that's all there was. And I suppose badminton. And yeah, I know we did swimming because there's 365 yeah. lakes in Cavan. So we had lots of place to, to go swimming as well. We made our own fun, but running, no, there was mm. nothing. There's a lot of countries. You're obviously from a country sort of countryside background. Oh yeah, very rural, yeah, yes, yeah. And you come yeah. from a big family as well, There's don't you? seven of us, yeah, I'm the youngest of seven. Was it just yourself running in that family or did anybody yeah, else? two or? of my brothers, one of them in particular, he did a little bit like, you know, not much, but, the, and they did for football, like they had to train yeah. for football, but Pather, my brother, he would have, and he's still, you know, like myself, he just runs for sanity. He's yeah. a, a few years older than me, but, um, and I suppose I would have been close to him because he was, like me, very active. And, you know, we'd go... I lived beside the football pitch, which was great. And we'd bring the Horleys and the football. And, you know, I'd kick big high balls mm. into him. And then he'd play camogie or hurling, whatever, for, for a while as well. 
But um, and then I just I don't know why Robbie, but I just used to run around the fields, go out and run around the fields at home. Just mm. no ambitions, no you know wasn't fantasizing about running in the Olympics or anything like that. Just it's uh, just been outside, isn't it? Yeah, back then it's so different than it is now. Yeah. and if you think of all the distractions that kids have, yeah, this day and age. But I still think if I had the iPods and the iPads and all of that sort of thing. I still think I would have gone out. It's just something that was in me. I don't know, and I'm not going to try and find out why. Yeah, just that intuition, stage. really. Yeah, I think it was the confidence, the feeling of well-being. Just I felt good about myself mm. and that when I... It just, it's both because I was shy and that, so it did give me confidence. Yeah. But it was... Uh, that's how I started. Just I was always very fit and... You know, even from a young age, I could always run 10k, I think. I, there was no way of measuring it, but uh, I'm sure it was covering 10k. And you were playing camogie then as yeah, well? Yeah, 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 playing camogie. And did you find your running was helping the camogie back then for your endurance? So I have a young son who does like his 5k park runs, etc. Brilliant, yeah. And you can really see him yeah, on the pitch. He's yeah. a he plays Gaelic as well. He's only 11 years of age. But it really, you can see that crossing over and helping in that sport. Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't like to be boasting, but I was good at camogie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, was it because of the fitness? No, I had the skill as well, and I used to just continuously hit the slither up against the gable of the house and just continuously practice all the time. And um, yeah, no, I was handy at the at the at the camogie. And were you doing that just to try and improve all the time? You're trying yeah. to better yourself. Yes, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. something sort of deep down inside you that always wanted to. Always, yeah, progress. I always wanted to be, yeah, and. I love the camogie, I love the team aspect of it, I, mm. I love scoring goals, I love scoring points and you know one regret, I have, I have a lot of good um, memories but one regret is that we have no video footage of playing oh, yeah. a camogie match and they were really good days because you know as I said it was a very rural area and everybody came out and watched. Good sense of community. Yes, yeah, yeah and like we started the team and we went from novice to junior to intermediate to senior we went all the way through in, in county level and uh, yeah there were some great occasions in the, on the, on the camogie pitch so That's brilliant. yeah and w- when did that transpire then into running because cross country would have been the thing back then wouldn't it into schools yes yeah, so, so it wasn't then until the last year at secondary school uh, it was uh, one of the girls uh Neve o'reilly she was a very she was she was a good runner and uh she she pushed on setting up an athletic club in the school, Brilliant. and um, then I, of course I joined that, and then it was real. I realized then I had a talent for run, and I won the Ulster Schools Cross Country in my last year. Wow, because that's um, quite a big thing back then, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Well, still is competitive, and then I went on to win the All Ireland Schools Cross Country Championship. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What age were you then? I was 17, 18, yeah. Well, how did that make you feel then? Just, like, did that just come, you're obviously out training all the time, well, with was, no real intention yes, behind it, yeah, just yeah. more from enjoyment and just yeah. your level of fitness, just enjoying it more so than anything yeah, else. Yeah, because it was a 3,000 metre race and, you know, I was very naive, as you would be at that age, and there's nothing wrong with that. And in the couple of weeks leading up to the race, at lunchtime, at school, I'd go out and run as hard as I could for 10 minutes. I reckoned it'd take me 10 minutes to run the 3,000 metres. And then when I go home in the evening time, I'd do the same thing again, run as hard as I could. 
and uh, it was in the uh, it was on in Dungarvan the All Ireland Skates mm-hmm. that particular year, and. I went down and it was like a carpet and I'd been training in the cow fields and <laughs> rough ground and all of that. And I did have spikes. I don't know where I got them, but I had spikes, but I didn't wear them that day because wow. I thought there's no need like this. Mm. Is, this is too nice to be wearing spikes. <laughs> it was easy. It was lovely. It was, it was great. And it was then that I, as I said, that things started to change and um. I got my coach then and uh, we got a little bit more serious. It wasn't about running mm-hmm. 10 minutes fast twice a day. So you got picked up obviously then through running that. Yeah. What was it in you, do you think? Because to hear you talk that you were very self-motivated or self-driven because mm. you knew this 3,000 metres was coming and you went, well, okay, if I can run 10 minutes as fast as I can, I should just about cover it. Because um, there's a lot of kids who run now who are good runners, but that's something slightly different in you, a slightly different hunger. Oh yeah, very. I, I, as I said, Robbie, I don't know what it is, but mm. but even now, like, you know, I, I, I love to run still and I just do small races and park runs and that, but, and, you know, I just run easy, few easy runs during the week. I, but I know that when I go to the start line that I'll be able to push myself, that it's no problem. I just get into this zone and, you know, it's only five k or ten k, and it's easy for me to push myself. It's just, it's just natural for me to do mm. that. And I, yeah, I can't explain it. It's a talent. Let's put it to that. It's a gift from God that mm. I was able to do that. And it moved. You moved into cross country then. Obviously, from that was it cross country first that you moved into when you got your coach. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of cross country. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. And it's cross country. Was it? Mostly through the sort of winter series, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Um, it used to be well, not that I know too much about it now, but it used to be very, very strong. You know, in the nineties, mm-hmm. and there was a series of Grand Prix cross country races. We still have that to a certain extent, uh, all around Europe, and uh, I used to do those. And then the World Cross Country then was at the end of March, and um, there was a point system. Your four best cross country races. And then you got double pints for the World Cross Country. And it was, you know, it was a Grand Prix series. So I won that outright on a couple of occasions. Yeah, so what was going through your mind at that point then? Because it must have really built your confidence. You know, you're going into these races and, as you say, you won it outright. Yeah. Like, because that's starting to build momentum and confidence in your running, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, did you have any sort of growing ambitions at that point or where this could lead to or well you know at that stage I was in it you know there was no getting out at that stage um I suppose we're jumping forward a little bit but in 1992 when I was second in the world cross country championships in Boston that was a big breakthrough because I you know I was fairly young at that stage and uh I had won a couple of the grand prix races all right around Europe and but I wasn't known to be honest really and uh that was the major breakthrough at that stage. And then it just, you know, it just grew and grew from there. I suppose um, what I was thinking of is like from your parents' perspective and all this traveling. So I know what it's like, I, my son plays football and he plays Gaelic and he runs and you really do become that taxi service sort of um, yeah. to your kids. And your parents have got seven um, children, don't yes, it's yeah. seven, isn't yeah. it? Um, how was that then within the family units so of all that traveling and yeah we just took it you know. excited uh, yeah see there was 
seven offers, so I was only another one, really, to be honest, which was great, too, because, uh, you know, my feet were firmly on the ground. There was no airs or graces, really. And uh, I suppose I had the older siblings, like, they were driving, so they were able to, to bring me different places as well. And, you know, that was the great thing about growing up in, in rural Ireland is, you know, when somebody sees a little bit of talent that everybody's on board and, mm-hmm. you know, as when I was 18, 19, I got a, a car from the local garage and they wow. supplied me with cars for, for many years. And uh, then I got sponsorship from, from Kingspan and, you know, so there was, money wasn't an issue. Uh, I could travel wherever I wanted to. And um, just as regards to my parents and brothers and sisters, there was no fuss made mm-hmm. like, you know. Brilliant. Uh, they just, like they had their thing to do as well. But look, needless to say, they were very proud and, and mm-hmm. backed me and supported me. But we kept things, you know, we didn't talk about it much, really, because that was pressurising, you know. We wouldn't yeah. uh, we wouldn't um, talk much about it before races. And in fairness to the people in the community as well, they got to realise very quickly that I didn't like to talk about running or where I was going or what I was going to do. And, um, you know, on a Sunday after Mass... Uh, you know, they, they wouldn't ask me because they knew that I didn't like to to, to talk about it because it was pressurising. And, uh, yeah, it just all happened gradually, really. It, uh, it felt natural. Yeah, yeah, and it fell into place. Mm. And you just, you know, you live by, from season to season. You live cross-country season, then the track season. And, you know, it just... What, what was it that your coach brought to you then? Yeah, well, he was he was great. Like, I didn't have to worry about... You know, I trusted him, and I suppose mm-hmm. that's the first thing any athlete needs to do with their coach is to, to trust in what they're doing, that it's it's the right thing. And we worked very close with um, Bernard Dunn and Myra O'Brien and Trinity. And uh, I always wore a heart rate monitor when I was training, so I had three different zones to train in. So, you know, I, I thought that was great because... On the easy days, I knew to go easy because I would be inclined to push it every day. Yeah. But I, I realised fairly quickly if you pushed it easy on the easy days that I wouldn't be able to to push it the way I should on the, on the days that I was doing the sessions. And uh, you don't get the progress progression then if you're you know if you're running at the same pace all the time. So uh, it was great. You know, I've often said my heart rate monitor was my companion, mm. um, and. I've often explained as well, there was no nicer feeling than doing a threshold run and clipping along at a, at a good pace and keeping it within the heart rates because I knew that, it's you know, this fitness. is, yeah, this is, yeah, and this is the training, this is, this is progression, this mm-hmm. is going to get me to achieve what I want to achieve. And, um, yeah, the coach, you know, I suppose people know that it was a kind of um, a pupil teacher uh, sort of relationship uh, Joe told me what to do and I did it and a little bit more along with it as well mm-hmm. but um, you know as I said I trusted he put a lot of planning into it and into the you know he always worked back from a race say the world cross country was in, in March so he'd work back with mm-hmm. you know he'd pick out the Grand Prix races that I was going to train that I was going to run in and uh have me peak as best as best as possible for the big event it's very important to have that structure isn't it yeah and it's it's pressure then off the athlete like you yeah. know as well and uh i remember when he'd meet me for training sessions 
and I'd be warmed up beforehand, ready to go. We'll, um, and we'll say, for instance, maybe a, a track session, six by a K, just for example, and I'd be ready to ready to go. And all he'd say to me is pulse. You know, in other words, what was your pulse? If you know, if it was the usual, then you're okay to do what you're supposed to do. And if it's up, then we, you know, if the pulse rate, yeah. the heart rate is up, we need to pull back a little bit. But <laughs> even if it was up a couple of beats, I just say, you know, I'd, I'd probably just always go maybe if it was two beats up or three beats, I'd, I wouldn't say anything. But if it was a little bit more, to be honest, I would. But I just wanted to push on. I wanted to do the train, and I wanted to achieve. Did you always feel excited about your training sessions then? Yeah, I did them all by myself. So again, you just, it's like everything else and you get used to things and I just got, I knew no, no better. And uh, I I liked doing them by myself and I would have found it probably difficult to find somebody to mm. do them with because again, I was training under heart rate. So, you know, nobody was going to be at the same level. They could be better or they could be a little yeah. bit less fit. So, uh I would have to do my own thing anyway and uh, I think it made me very mentally strong as well for 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 races and it, it gave me it gave me a great lift in races because I was out there training by myself you know in remote places and then when you went to a race you had all these people around you and people cheering you on and people running beside you and in front of you and behind you and that was it's a little you know, bit of added energy absolutely yeah and uh, yeah it was like this is great like this is you know and i think you know that's why i do say that it gave me great mental strength mm. for racing like it was it was fun this is fun like you know so you went to your first world championships there you were talking about it's in 92 92 yes yeah um and you had a series of like four years in a row then you got silver silver <laughs> in that um but that must have been amazing the very first one you went to and to actually come home with a silver medal yeah, that was a big breakthrough. Yeah, it was a big breakthrough. And the fact that it was in Boston and as well, you know, it was so far away from home. Yeah. And, but it's still not, it was televised on BBC and they could watch it at home. And it was kind of, you know, there was snow and it was real cross country. Although, you know, it was the underfoot was good and you could, you know, you could run fast. And you had a lot of the Africans you know those times the cross country races the world cross country you had all the athletes the best athletes from 800 up to a marathon one of those races the one in the wow. world cross country so you know you find you get a lot of strength out of doing the cross country yes yeah it's yeah. helped build a good strong base it does yeah but you know cross country was was what i enjoy doing it was mm. natural it was free it's where i started and uh, i think if you're running well, you can run well in any sort of a course, really. And, uh, yeah, I had some great cross-country races abroad as well that nobody ever saw. Uh, there was some great uh, Grand Prix cross-country races like the Amman-Blatzen in Portugal and uh, some in France oh, no. and races like that. And uh, ones that I would have won. And, yeah, they were good occasions. Brilliant. The four years in a row then, you got, you got silver. Mm -hmm. Did you have uh, a nemesis? In your cross country, to somebody that was always sort of racing against you, or was it different people all the time? It's different people all the time, yeah, yes, yeah. Now, the first year in '92, Lynn Jennings won, I was second, and Anne Boltina Diaz from Portugal was third. And the following year was the reverse, 
Diaz was first, I was second, and Jennings was third. Uh, what do you have to do? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Diaz was third in another year as well that I was second. But, you know, people often ask me the question, you know, would you give away those four silvers for one gold? And I wouldn't, to be honest, because yeah. it just showed how consistent I was over four years. And I know they're not gold, but it gave people a lot of joy as well. You know, rather than just one year, it was four years of celebrations. Yeah. And uh, it's unique, like, as well. <laughs> but it was unique as well. It's very, very consistent over yes. that range. Yeah. And yeah. your running then started to really pick up and taking a different level from sort of that era on, didn't it? Yes. 92. Yeah. I think it was 94 you did actually get a gold in European country. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, that was probably... Robbie, that was probably the toughest race I ever ran. To be honest, I can still feel the discomfort or the pain or whatever you want to call it. But it was only 4,000, 4.5k. And it was a tough cross-country course. John Tracy actually ran it. He was coming to the end of his career. And he said it was the toughest cross-country course that he ever ran on. Wow. And, but I had the mindset. I'd already won two silvers in the world and my mindset was okay if I can win silver and you know if I can be second best in the world I have to be the best in Europe and uh, that was my mindset and that was it was my yeah. mind that won it it was and I remember coming into the home straight and uh, there was a Spanish girl behind me and I literally I did have to give her a couple of elbows to get her <laughs> to get her to stay behind me and uh, I just remembered that my legs they were just wobbling and uh, yeah it was probably the toughest yeah. race because you really have to fight in cross country don't you it takes a bit of true grit really doesn't it it does yeah yeah it does yeah yeah you have to be just you know mm. just very very strong strong minded as well as physically strong as well and you know it's not not like the track or a road race all courses are different mm. you know you might get some wet courses some dry courses some hilly courses some not so hilly courses some with twists and turns so um you know they're all different so that's mm. the fun of it <laughs> so you did actually go to the olympics then was it barcelona barcelona in 92, 92. In must have been very young that was, stage. i give away my age i was 22 <laughs> yeah oh, wow that's amazing at 22 years of age actually going to the olympics yeah. how did that come about what was the qualifying for that uh, yeah, to do a qualifying time. I think 8.51 uh, uh, was the qualifying time for 3K at that stage, yeah. But those shorter distances I didn't like. Mm. Even the cross-country, you know, if, again, there's no point in wishing, but even if there had been 8K, like there are 8K now, but yeah. uh, I never got to run 8 kilometres cross-country, which would have been nice. That, because I remember the first time I went to Trinity, it was, I think it was a Friday evening to get tested on the treadmill and uh, during the test and after the test I could see straight away that it was made for the long haul that mm -hmm. marathon was going to be my thing and Joe Dune and my coach you know his idea okay we need to get all this other stuff done and get you get you fast and strong before you're able to able to go up the distance perfect and you followed that 92 Olympics then, you did go to, was it Atlanta in 96? 96, yeah, I ran the 10k in 96. Yeah, and you had a brilliant performance there. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, we had heat and we had heat and we had humidity. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got to do 50 laps of the track in Atlanta. Wow. I got value for my money, didn't I? Yeah, we had the heats and then the, then the final. 
Um, that was amazing, even just to get into the final. Obviously, how many people get into the final? Maybe I don't know. Maybe fifteen would it be? I think. Yeah, so I think it's fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so already, like you know, you're like for a ten thousand meter track, which is you know that's run all over the world. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe there's more. Maybe yeah. I'm just picturing other. Uh, world championships that I've watched. You're still in a group between. of runners yeah. that are the best in the world now for ten thousand meters. Yeah. And did you ever see it that way, or was no, it just? I was. You were just so competitive. Yeah, you just, yeah. No, that didn't. I I wanted to be the best. I just didn't want to be one of the best. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really like to talk about the Olympics, to be honest, because I don't have an Olympic medal, so. Uh, <laughs> I don't. It doesn't. You know, do me any good to talk about? No, that was my mindset that I yeah. am as good as any of these, and uh, it just didn't happen for me on the track. Um, I don't know, is it? But you do have the normal PBs on the track, yeah, though, don't you? Yeah, uh, 10k, forty one oh eight for 10k, and 14. That is phenomenal. I think it's 14.48 for 5k. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, we can't be negative, and it's not good, but... I didn't like, you know, Atlanta, 10,000 metres on the track. If it had been somewhere not so hot, somewhere not so humid, I think I would have performed mm -hmm. well. And probably, if I'm honest, I went into, into the race with that mindset as well. This is, you know, this is working against me. This, is, this isn't the way yeah. I, this isn't what I was reared in, like, and uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't good, a good mindset to have. You can acclimatise to it to a certain extent, but... Uh, you know, I think the the Africans and you know even the Portuguese and the Spanish they're more used to that that intense heat. Because the mind is so, such an important thing, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I know. Um, I know. As we were talking earlier, I was trying to break the three thirty in the marathon, and I was so excited the day before I did break it because I knew I was going to break it. Yeah. I was just yeah. so excited. Yeah. I wasn't any fitter than I was the year before. No, no. Just my mindset was so yeah. confident. Yeah. And I know that's a different level, but that's just the same with running. Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's. I, I don't know what percentage of it, but it is a mm. big percentage. And, you know, I always say it's not the fittest person on the start line that wins the race. It's the one that is the strongest in their mind and the one that wants it the most. And um, I don't know how you can instill that in athletes either. I'm not so sure, you know, you kind of have it or you happen to mm. sometimes you can be lucky but you know to be able to be lucky all the time that's not possible and I think I was you know during races and that I was able to get into that zone and block everything out and block a certain amount of the pain and discomfort out as well and uh, I think it's a it's a talent to be able to do that mm. but it certainly is a big big part of being successful having the mind you know, in and the did, right you, state. did you find yourself um, as driven on the track as you were in cross country, or is it is it just that whole ethos of running for you and the competitiveness of it? You're always going to put your all oh, into it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I always say this to people as well, regardless of you know where you finish in a race. Once you cross that finish line, I know that you couldn't have run a half a second faster, or a step faster. Then you're going to be satisfied within yourself. Mm. And I think, you know, that's a good statement. And I think if people can, you know, take that on board and realise, okay, I, I did as much as I possibly could there, flaked on the, on the ground afterwards, 
you know what what else can you do but you know you don't want to let the mind take over say with three laps to go or a thousand meters to go in a cross country or road race or whatever it is when the legs are falling off you just you know just keep battling keep working away and use that you know i'm going to whatever position i'm i'm in that's the best that i could do on on this day brilliant can you remember what your your favorite race was on the track or your most not favorite but most memorable race on the track maybe that um 10k 3108 that i ran um it was in france and dorata tula was in it and uh Ribeiro and I won it that evening as well so wow it must have been amazing yeah it was a good feeling <laughs> all right yeah yeah what year was that in um probably 90 96 actually I think it was 96 yeah or so 95 95 or 6 yeah and change. what was the progression then into the half marathon because you're phenomenal PB in the math in the half age. <laughs> age was progression. No, it was time to it was time to change after my fourth fourth silver in the World Cross Country Championships. Um no, and I was twenty seven then at that stage. So, you know, it was time to, to make a change and um give the marathon a crack and see what I could do on that. So and I love the transition brilliant. because I'd after you know I was after running the shorter stuff and at speed and I wasn't really made for that to be honest I was as I said made for the long haul and then to be able to step back on the speed but increase the distance I was always I felt I was running within myself it was always felt comfortable you know with the half marathon training the train the marathon training because I was at those lesser heart rates I was doing longer distance but at lesser heart rates but. It felt, felt comfortable. Were you still you? training by heart rate at that stage? Oh, God, yeah. Right the way through? Yeah, yeah. And what type of... What would a training week have looked like? For which now? Um, building to the half. The half. I can't remember. Yeah. I, I remember the marathon. You see, any halves that I would have done were in preparation for mm. a marathon. So it was really... Marathon your PB, your PB in the half is was it one oh seven? Is it or one oh sixty seven? Yeah. Wow. Where was that? It was in Portugal, Lisbon, I think. Yeah. Um, and was that on Lisbon. progression to a marathon? Yeah, to uh, London. Okay. Yeah. Your first marathon then. Can't oh. believe I remember now this. <laughs> Glad you did. You got me on a good day, Robbie. <laughs> So your your debut into Berlin, um, I read a piece on that, and it was the fastest debut by any one female runner, yeah. and you actually won the marathon. Um, going into that race, did you think you had a good chance of actually winning the the race? I had no idea. Because that's phenomenal, like, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely amazing to yeah. enter your first marathon, especially one yeah. as prestigious as Berlin. I had trained well. I had really enjoyed the training. As I said, I felt it was very, very easy. Uh, and it was something new. It was a novelty. And there was no pressure on me. And whatever time I was going to run, it was going to be a PB. So, <laughs> Something like your first marathon. Yeah, and I, I just, you know, at that age, you can just, you can, anything, any sort of mileage can be thrown mm -hmm. at you and you can take it. But I felt I could anyway. And... Uh, that was a lovely race. It was an easy race. Uh, 
I just kept off the pace for the first half and looked around and enjoyed it and then just in the second half began I didn't really begin to walk until the last 10k and I was hopping off the road mm. yeah I think took it too soon because the heart rate training obviously helped that an awful lot um, people aren't really aware of the way the heart work heart mm. rate works and your fat burning zone and moving into your sugar yeah. And obviously you've built that long endurance. You already have the speed and the strength yes, that you're carrying yeah. through with yeah. you. <clears throat> and there's so many people that heart rate training is a bit alien to them. They don't mm. even know yes, yeah. much about their zones or the benefits that that can bring. Yeah. But obviously that added so much value to you coming into your first marathon. Yeah, well, that's how I trained. Like, I'm not sure did I, you know, understand yeah. totally what, what it all meant. But I knew the zones that I needed, like... To explain it to somebody, I might not be do such a good job. My coach Joe Dune, and he knew he knew about it and uh, uh, talked about it and tried to suppose educate me about it a little bit. But simply, all I needed to know was you know the zones that I needed yeah. to train and and behave myself on the easy days so that I didn't uh, go over the the zones so that I could be rested enough to run fast enough on the days that I did need to run fast. So what did the training load look like? Or train a week like like for the marathon. For the marathon, so Sunday was a long run, and it was I went by running by time all the time. It wasn't distance, time and heart rate. Yeah. So it would have built up to, you know, I would have started one forty five, one hour forty five, one fifty two hours, mm. two ten, two twenty, two thirty, and two thirty was my longest, my longest distance. Yeah, so you you were running longer then you were planning on going to run for the marathon all the same sort of time. So that was, you know, we built up the long run. And um, then on a Monday, I would train twice a day. It was um, a morning, a pre-breakfast run in the morning time. And that was only 40 minutes. And then in the evening time, I would do... The evening time, I would do... Um, a run in the evening time and a lot of drills just to try and keep the fast rich fibers, keep them alive. Uh, then Tuesday, Tuesday was a session. It was um, long intervals. So again, it would start with five minutes, one week, six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. So a progression of that. And there was some races thrown in, between, in during that, those 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 time as well so yeah so long intervals on the tuesday wednesday was a double day again um, and the morning run and uh, the evening time then was was the drills and some hill sprints as well uh, thursday then was uh, the tempo run or the threshold run and again uh, it was built up but the, the longest threshold was 70 minutes but that was at a good clip, and that was yeah. above marathon pace. So um, you you were covering the whole range there, weren't you? You weren't really missing anything out yeah, at all. Yeah, Friday then was Friday was just one. It was a kind of one run. It was kind of one run, but it was an hour run. <laughs> it was a recovery day. Uh, Saturday then we'd hit the track and do um, kilometer reps, two two k reps, different stuff like that. Bit of pyramid. It would vary. And then back again to Sunday for the long run. So your, your rest really and recovery was really your slower runs, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then Friday, mm. kind of a half, a half a rest, not a full, full, full rest. But, you know, as I said, there was races uh, 
during that period, during that block of training. And I would rest up a little bit for the races, all right. And what about, because that's quite a load really, isn't it? The heart rate's really key in those aspects that stops you from overstraining yes, yeah. and carrying that through. <laughs> Did you have much in- problems with injury during that no, period? No, not at all. You must no. have thought you were just on cloud nine. Yes, that you could yeah. actually take anything yeah, at that yeah. stage. And, and it was a good age as well, like, you know, and mm. it was all exciting and it was new and, you know, I was winning and progressing all the time, so... So were you excited then when you were at the start line of the Berlin Marathon, just to see how that would I go? I was excited at the start line of any race, and yeah. still like being at the start line of any race, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the word we should use, excited. Mm. You know, and we should be excited and grateful to be able to run races, and even at that age. I never really, thankfully, got nervous. A little bit, but nothing much more excited than nervous, and because I just had this in my mind you know, all I can do here is my best and that's it, what more, what more can I expect and I could get into that zone of just pushing myself and my coach uh, realised fairly soon that there was nearly no need for him coming to races because if he was um, shouting instructions to me I didn't hear him, I wouldn't hear anything, I just, just zoned out. yeah yeah or anything or anybody, it was just a kind of, a, it's hard to explain it but I was really in the moment and just a buzz at the back of my head. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great I think that's important. Be. I think that, that obviously would stand by you. You know, the more relaxed you are and being in the moment at the beginning of a race. And I've said it before on the podcast quite a few times, you know, I've met people at the starting line who are exceptional runners, but they're just so nervous. And especially we're club runners this day and age and the likes of the social media that we have oh, and there's that there's that much expectation yeah. um, when you go there and yeah. I suppose I don't know maybe I would have been different if I had social media and maybe mm. I wouldn't be able to handle it the way I did uh, I think I don't think it's so good for athletes now mm. but uh, look at maybe maybe some of them can maybe some of them thrive on it yeah uh, let's hope to do <laughs> But um, I like to keep it quiet. I like to just do my own thing. And there was no secrets. It was just training hard and not putting any pressure on myself by by getting, you know, get carried away with myself or getting too much publicity. I didn't mm. like that because that was, that would have been pressurizing, all right. And any time that I did feel that the media were putting pressure on me, I'd just <laughs> close down. There was no, no questions answered really because there was nothing to be honest there was nothing to answer other than I remember when I went over to the press conference in London um, the Tuesday uh, before the race um, I did their head in because I didn't answer any <laughs> questions all I kept saying was I trained well I'm going to do my best I'm feeling good and I'll see what happens and you know what more can you say and that's uh, that was the truth because after winning Berlin and having the fastest debut, I think it still is the fastest debut. Ah, uh, no, I don't think, no, 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 Robbie, no, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I think there's a lot of, some Africans in that, that have been. But there must have been a lot of um, expectation then coming to London, because that was in September, and yes. Berlin moving into April yeah. then, and all of a sudden, wow, you've, you've just come on the radar with a, a bang, and... 
So you, you've sort of mentioned the press there already, mm-hmm. but the, the whole knowing Ireland and what the Irish are like, the whole country's behind you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. in a good way, and and uh, but um, those times, uh, Peter Byrne was in the Irish Times, and um, Tom O'Riordan was in the Independent, and they're very passionate about running, and they got to know what it was like as well. That you know that it was quiet and didn't have much to say. Tom Reardon said told me once it was, or I think he wrote it actually. It was like pulling teeth, like trying to get information out of it. And you know, in fairness to them, they didn't. You know, they never put me under pressure. They never had huge big headlines before races, which was good. Afterwards, it's great to have yeah. the have the pat on the back and the and the big headlines and that. But uh, you know, uh, I have to be thankful to them for that as well. But um, the funny thing about London was um. I think it was November we went over to say, yeah, I'm going to do it. And all from right through till the start line of that race, I had nothing else in my mind other than I was going to win it. I don't know, my mm. mind just switched this, you know, to just this, I'm going to I'm going to win this. And I did get uh, very bad stomach cramps during London. And I remember seeing Portaloos along the side of the road and I said, if I have to visit those, I'm still going to win the race. Wow, that's brilliant. Um, so Berlin gave you huge confidence, obviously. That. Yeah, and the training as well. You know, mm. for any race, for me, knowing that the training went well and knowing that I couldn't have run a, a mile more from training, you know, what, what more confidence mm. do you need? And, not, you know, not getting nervous beforehand, that, of course, paid off as well. So you've obviously a talent, <laughs> a huge talent in running, but talent on its own doesn't do it, does no, it? No. So you obviously put a lot of hard work into it. Yeah, but uh, what's the saying? What you enjoy if it's enjoyable, it's not hard mm. work. And I, you know, I I love to run, and I started off running. Nobody told me to go out and run around the fields. I did it because I love to do it, and it was always the opposite. If if my parents didn't interfere very much, but. Sometimes they would say, you're too hard on yourself, you don't need to be doing as much. And my father used to say, um, I'm not giving out to you, I'm only advising you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they didn't interfere, which was a good thing as well. But um, yeah, I just loved it. Yeah, I had the talent for it. I just loved to run. I was had the ability to, to push myself and uh, get the most out of myself. So leading up to London then, how... how Early on, do you taper then? Do you is it like a week out? You start to taper a bit and try and let your body recover. Yeah, well, my last long run would always have been three weeks beforehand. So my last two and a half hour run would have been, and then it was coming, coming down after then. that. Yeah, yeah. But I would, you know, I'd still keep the quality there as well. It was cutting back, cutting back all the time, but there was still, still quality there, and even like so on the Tuesday. You don't know, the marathon would be on Sunday, even on the Tuesday, I would have done a little bit at marathon pace. Just, you know, especially in the last two weeks before the, mm. the marathon, I did good many runs at marathon pace, but they would have been short. But just to kind of ingrain it into the into the muscle memory, what marathon pace felt like. Mm. I'm just amazed by that. I'm just <laughs> sitting listening in awe. Like, um, and can you man- remember the build-up of that week, then going into London? Because this is yeah. one of the most iconic races mm-hmm. in the world, London Marathon. Yeah, it's funny. I had some stories out. Like, so I went over on Tuesday to do the press conference and give away a load of information. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and then on um, actually Paul Kimmich gives a good account of that I only read it back a while ago there because I met him and uh, he um, he was at the press conference but didn't ask any questions and he came up to me afterwards and uh, he said he wanted to do a piece and I kind of looked at him and I said, but uh, the press conference is over. <laughs> you had your chance sort of thing. I don't know that I say it as, as boldly as that, but uh, yeah, I didn't answer any questions. So he did He did an interview with, with uh, Joe Doonan then afterwards. But I went home then, came back to Dublin after the press conference because I didn't want to be hanging around London. And uh, then I went back on the Saturday morning um, before the race and uh, I had a few friends and they were practicing to rollerblade actually and uh, I, on the Friday evening I got out and I tried to practice with them rollerblading it wasn't such a good idea <laughs> but uh, luckily nothing nothing happened your uh, coach didn't know about that then. no he didn't <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to have a bit of fun don't you but no it was just just did my little bit of training during the week and just uh, just chilled out and um then went back on the Saturday morning and there was a few interviews lined up on that on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. And, and what yeah. about getting yourself into perfect form for that then from just if you think about those 24 hours about eating or sleeping or do you have any sort of ritual yeah, in place that you again, sort of follow? To me it's natural, it's not mm-hmm. ritual. Um, just, just do what I did before any race whether it be a, a, a cross country race and um, you know, just just do what you do in every sort of long run, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was nothing. Yeah, and look, we all know that. Don't yeah. change anything. You know, just uh, just keep everything the same, and um, yeah, no, just. So what was that like? It's like I'm trying to imagine what it'd be like at the starting line of London Marathon, being extremely confident. I actually, think I'm going to win this race mm. now. And how did the race start for you? Do you have a very, especially when you're training by heart rate all the time, um, and back then were you, were you going out on a particular pace or is it a yeah, feel? So, this, so London was a race to win. That's, you know, that, that was it. It was no going, not going for any time or anything mm. like that. And again, I was really calm. It just, it was, I always just, this is another race, you know, just, and I think for athletes, that's what they should think. They shouldn't think of the big occasion. And that was one of the things I didn't like about the Olympics because there was too much fuss in the weeks leading mm. up to it. You know, when you were getting gear and you had to go to Aris and Uteron and all these sort of things. Like, you know, whereas if you just treat it like another race, just a simple, you know, and if you can get that into your mind that this is just another race and forget about all the hullabaloo that goes around it. And that's what I did, you know, for for all my races I and you know kept away from all the fuss and didn't answer any questions that I was asked <laughs> but uh, it's important to do that yeah. because at the end of the day it's only running really if you mm. think of it like that it's only a race and you don't want to be putting yourself under pressure you don't want to be wasting energy because you need that for the race and um, I remember Ray Flynn he was my agent and he was hovering around the start as well with with, uh, with uh, Joe Doonan and um, he hadn't, you know, he wouldn't have had been with me before a race before and he couldn't understand how relaxed I was 
and it's important though and mm. I think athletes should should try and just realize this is only another race and realize as well if I'm going to get uptight if I'm going to get nervous I'm wasting energy and that's not going to do me, me any good mm. we did a podcast with Ian Keith he's a ultra runner mm. and we lived in Dublin as well he's actually Ireland's best ultra runner yeah and one bit of advice he said, it's just a hobby. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. that's where you it's have to train. You can't yeah. get it, over, make it any yeah. more complicated or serious than that. Yes, yeah. You just yeah. sap the enjoyment out of it. Yes, and As yeah. long as you're still enjoying it, yeah. you'll perform at your yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you realise that, you know, if I'm going to get uptight, I'm wasting energy. I'm mm. not going to perform my best if I'm going to get uptight. And you need so much mental energy, don't you? It's about how you can strip everything back as much as possible so you're just left with the pure running. That's it, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of putting mm. it, actually. Yeah. Um, the start of the race then, because it is just a race now. Yes. So did you go out with a pack? Did you, so, did so, look, the, the, a race is a race and the best person wins, isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> and uh, it was my second marathon. Liz McCulgan was in the race, so my strategy oh. was... Liz has run a good many marathons at this stage and uh, I'm going to stick with her as long as I can and that's what I did but at 30 so I stuck with her in her group but two girls had gone on ahead and at halfway we got word back that um, there were 90 seconds or 92 seconds or something ahead of us and in fairness to Liz she said to me if you're able you better go so I took her advice <laughs> and uh, I reeled them back in Maybe one of the best pieces of advice you ever had in a race. Yes, yeah, yeah, in fairness to her now, she... At what stage did you pick them back up then? Do you remember? God, um, it's, I, 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 I don't know, Robbie, to be yeah. honest. I probably last ran the last... Now, this is just off the top of my head. I ran maybe the last 10k by myself, I would say. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, so uh, six miles or so to... To reel them in and you were saying you were well trained going into that race and the yeah. first 20 miles was quite normal for you you're just clipping away as you say <clears throat> when it gets really tough in a race how do you because you're obviously mentally strong and you conserve your for, energy for racing maybe not for life i'll admit that <laughs> <laughs> for life not but uh, we're getting there but uh for racing, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to bring that uh, mental strength into life as well, you know. that's. Uh, I just could block everything out. I could block a certain amount of the pain out. I think I embrace that discomfort. I still mm -hmm. like it. I, even in a park run, I like, it. I like to push myself. And I realise that that is part of running. It is, you know, you're meant to push yourself. You're meant to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And certainly not to tune in on the discomfort because then you only get more, more uncomfortable and more tired. And uh, you, we're in control of that pain. You draw in the crowds then. I'm just thinking of the last oh, yeah. 10k. Yes. Yeah. London's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. For the crowd, it's unbelievable. And do you find that lifting you then in the last Yeah, absolutely. Few? Yeah. And the funny thing with London, as I said, I don't ever see or hear anybody but uh, my brothers and sisters came over and um, they were going from tube station to tube station, some of them. And around, I think around London Bridge area, um, my brother, my older brother, he was there and we just made eye contact. Wow. Yeah. 
and I kind of just nodded to say everything's in control everything in control here so that was uh, yeah that was a nice nice strange how little things like that just give yes. you a little yeah. boost of energy yeah, don't they yeah. like? well certainly the c- crowd of course they give you energy of mm. course they do and uh, not that I could hear anything in particular but I could just that buzz as I said in the back of my head and it's uh, it's a good feeling so how did it feel then coming over the finish line um, knowing you can see the finish line up front was it just job yeah. done for you or? Oh, no, no, because <laughs> uh, London Marathon, you know, it's it's a big occasion. I knew everybody at home was watching it, you know. Uh, everybody knew that I was running it and everybody wanted me to do well. So, you know, that, there were the sort of things as well in races that I tapped in on when, when it got tough. Mm. You know, those people at home supported me. Uh, I wanted to do them proud, I wanted to do my family proud, I wanted to do myself proud. And uh, that was a great driving force for me as well, mm-hmm. just the support that people gave me. Um, and coming up to finish straight on the mile in London, I had watched it the previous year on TV and um, Joyce Chipchumba passed Liz McColgan out on the finish straight. And um, both of them were in the race. So the crowd was so, the noise was so strong uh, that I just kept looking behind me because it was so strong, the noise, that I thought there was a race on. I thought there was somebody coming behind me. So, uh, a bit more that's, out you know, of motivation. At yeah, the when you asked me the question, what was going through my mind, you know, what was going through my mind, there was somebody was coming up behind me and I just had to keep going and just look behind me and make sure nobody was coming. And it wasn't probably until the last, you know, when you get on that straight, you know, the last 80, 100 metres or so that I realised that I had uh, had won it. Was that your favourite moment in your running career, do you think? Uh, I don't know how to answer this, Robbie. Uh, I suppose the most memorable for people. Mm. Uh, so many different things, I suppose, like different battles, different yes, experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, favourite moment... There was something very special about Berlin, mm. how well I felt. It didn't feel like a marathon. It just felt like it didn't even feel like a hard 10K. Uh, so, it's the you perfect know, race. Yeah, it was very something very special, very easy about that. Uh, it might have been a little bit more, mm. more memorable, more special. Uh, I could have run. I could have run anything that day, really. I could have run too minutes two minutes five I felt like that yeah. maybe if I was pushed maybe not and do you think how was it after London Marathon then like there must have been a lot of hype came with that and it must have yeah. been quite heavy as well the yeah. exposure for winning London Marathon yeah <laughs> what do you mean the press conference afterwards yeah, yeah well after? just in general coming yeah. home yeah. Um, I suppose expectation is the word. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, well, just I suppose after the race, a lot of people from home came to it, and a lot of people actually from Cabin came, and they were staying in a hotel. And uh, my, um, you know, my main thing was to get to see them because uh, I knew they'd wanted to see me. And, uh, you know, that's, I was kind of in a hurry to, to get all the presentations and everything over with so that I could go and, and, and visit them because I knew, well, most of them were half drunk anyway at that stage, but uh, 
you know, it was them I did it for, really. Because yeah, Ireland really does, the Irish really do celebrate success, don't they? Like, they feel part of that success. Yeah, and they? I think, um, you know, you know, we're very successful in all different sports. Mm. And I think for for those people that can realise how, how much people at home support them, if they can realise, that's going to give them an extra edge. Because I realised that, and as I said earlier, that was a big driving force for me coming into a race in the last kilometre. You know, it's the people at home. That's what I was thinking of, because I know how much they celebrate. How, how I know how much they love. How much uh, it's success. going to mean to them as well. Yes, yeah, I know how much they love success. Because it's very inspiring as well. It's the first Irish woman to win the London Marathon, and like if you're a young Irish girl who's running, all of a sudden, that makes it possible. Yeah, yeah, and it gives other people confidence to know mm. that they can do it as well, and. But I suppose what I'm trying to elaborate on a little bit there is so that our own present-day athletes can get the most out of themselves. You know, if they can have little things to tap in on when it gets when the going gets tough. And for me, what I tapped in on was the support, knowing that people at home want you to do well. Mm. Uh, that does give you that extra edge, that little bit of energy. And not, look, if nobody goes into a race to, to, to run badly, you know, our athletes, they yeah. all go to, to run the best that they possibly can. And, um, you know, they need to... So you have a great way of actually stripping away and protecting yourself from a lot of the negative <laughs> energy, you know, that can sort of saturate people yeah, going yeah. into races. Yeah, yeah. You also do have a good way of allowing the positive energy to flow in as well yeah, and stay yeah. relaxed well, that's important isn't it yeah. <laughs> that's important like there's enough stuff in life you know to to set negative energy out of you why you know why allow that you know we can mm. you know we all want to feel happy we all want to get the most out of ourselves and uh, you know you do whatever is possible to do that and you know you know yourself you know your gut feeling your instincts what you need to do you know, to stay away from stuff that's going to prevent you from getting the best out of yourself or to make you just be happy in yourself and content. That was an amazing year for you then because at the end of the year as well, it was Amsterdam marathon yeah. you went to and you actually broke the Irish record. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And still is the Irish record. Yeah, yeah. Two hours, 22 minutes and 23 seconds. Yeah. Surprising myself now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, how did that feel like? Did you ever have records in your mind at that stage well actually for amsterdam uh that was the plan to we were going for the world record actually and there was 90 something seconds outside wow. teglin or rupa had it at the time and uh yeah that was it wasn't a good day i'm not making excuses but it wasn't water record yeah breaking yeah. time day it was we need a bit of luck that day as well don't you you yeah. need a bit of luck if you're yeah. going for like... Yeah, but I felt good. The training had went really good. We had pacemakers, but I think the pacemakers could have, you know... Yeah. I, would, I was just going by them, to be honest. Um, I was just following them. I wasn't thinking of anything else. And whatever pace they went at, I, I was mm. able to go at. But I think they slackened back a little bit. Um, but look, at the weather wasn't good, so we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> So was it Sydney um, Olympics came up next and you yeah. started hit, did you hit injury that time? Yeah, well actually after Amsterdam I had uh, 
I hurt my knee and uh, um, took a little bit of time. But, you know, I had begun to get a little bit stale, um, to get tired. The novelty was wearing off a little bit. Pressure was building up for Sydney. People say, labelling me that I was going to, you know, win Olympic gold medal and um, that sort of stuff. But in saying that, I think just the body was run out a little bit at that stage. Because you've gone through the whole cycle of the cross country, mm. the track, yeah. the speed, yeah. 3,000 metres, all of that, and then yeah. up to the, the marathon distance. Yeah. And I remember when we were talking to Mick a couple of weeks ago, he actually, around that period, took time out and went travelling for a couple of years. Yeah. And it maybe helped his course, success yeah, now. Yeah. That's why he's doing so well now, because yeah. he got to recharge the batteries and get the it's hard work. Back. It's hard work. Like it is, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when you're successful and achieving okay it's it's great and that keeps the energy going but the body is the body at the end of the day mm. and it uh, it needs a rest and yeah to be honest looking back at that stage i i needed a break i wanted to be and you know life changes as well you know i wanted to do something different and um i got a little bit stale and a little bit tired of the real you know that 24 7 commitment yeah. and dedication and I just wanted a bit of a break from that. And that's understandable. Because you enjoy running. Yeah, you, I didn't you, lose the joy for running. You, but I did lose the joy for that sheer mm -hmm. hard grind day in, day out. And, uh, you know, that as I said, that's acceptable and understandable. Everybody needs a break mm -hmm. every now and again. But I think everybody gets that. It doesn't matter what level yeah. you are. We all start running for a reason. We start running with no intention of where it's going to go. But then we just start to enjoy it. Sometimes you start getting good at running then and all of a sudden seriousness can overtake it a bit. That's true, yes. And yeah. everybody feels that yeah. no matter what level you're at. Yes. Sometimes yeah. it's great just to sort of strip it back to the pure running. Yes, yeah. And then you, then you get the energy back and you get the enjoyment back mm. for it as well. We can get too serious about it and go chasing times, you know. And, you know, it, as you said, just the ordinary runner trying to get their 5K time down or their 10K time down. And when you're chasing... It's a little bit more difficult. You just, as you said, just go out and enjoy it and allow it to happen. It's it's easier. So you moved into coaching now. Uh, I don't know. Is it coaching? What yeah, you call it? It's, it's maybe. I don't actually know what you would call it. Yeah, so yeah, I suppose yeah. it is coaching. It's um, running the carrots is such a key thing. Yeah, what I would call it is sharing the joy of running with people. That's yeah. what because, I just ran, for that sheer joy and feeling of well-being that it gave me as i said you know the way after some sports top sports people win a, a big event and they're interviewed and they say oh i dreamt about this all my life but i didn't when i was running around the fields at home i didn't think of running in a race like i just yeah. ran just love that freedom that feeling of well-being that it gave me and i want to be able to share that with other people your chi running sessions is a way of giving back and I suppose just sharing that gift that you've been Absolutely, given. Absolutely, yeah. And as I said, I just love to just love to run. Uh, I didn't have any expectations to achieve the things that I did achieve. I was lucky enough to do to, to achieve a lot. But um I just thankful that <coughs> that I'm able to give back and I meet some great people and you know, 
we do live in that rat race of a world where people just need to pull back a little mm. bit and just think of the sim- simple things. And it is a different world now that we're living in. But the one good thing is that more people are out exercising. You know, people when they, years ago, when they got a little bit older, 35, 40 or whatever, they thought that that's it. Like. Yeah. So, yeah, so just for people to enjoy their running and uh, be able mm. to get out there and, and do a little bit. It doesn't have to be marathons or ultra marathons or anything like that. I think the park runs have been great for people because 5K is very doable for for most people and uh, you know I talked about transforming people's lives and the park run certainly has done that for people because uh, you know how many thousand people run yeah. park runs in Ireland every every Saturday morning it's a great gateway into running like and getting outside yes yeah yeah and you know for running really you know if you can get out three times a week so you have one day you have your park run and then just two days yourself and you have a good certain, you know, a certain level of fitness there. That's brilliant. And you have some tr- some team training sessions um, coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about those then? Yeah, so I do um, I do a lot of different classes. I do some in uh, Malahide and out in Black Rock and in the Phoenix Park here as well. And they're one-hour classes for six weeks. And we go through everything. And by the six weeks, people are running perfectly and then I do um, one day workshops on a Saturday as well up in the Castellac Hotel and different venues around the country so uh, there's, there's three or four things about you running um, mm-hmm. I, lo- I love just information I'm the yeah, same yeah. as well I like reading yeah. up on things um, I remember um, but chi running is very much about sort of engaging your core isn't it but staying relaxed at the same time yes yeah yeah and the posture posture is the most important aspect of good running form and uh you know, if you run with incorrect posture, it's going to cause you fatigue and maybe mm. a little bit of pain. So I teach people good posture. And the beauty of everything that I show them is that they can practice it in everyday life. It's an everyday life habit. So that when you go out running, that, you know, you, you ingrain it in the muscle memory in everyday life so that it's more natural than for you when you go out running. It's not enough just to think about while you're out running. When you're standing, when you're walking around, you do it with good posture so that it's uh, much easier to transfer into your running. And then heel striking is a big problem that a lot of uh, runners, not a pro- problem probably is the wrong word, but a uh, mistake yeah. <laughs> that people make. And uh, it causes a lot of lower leg injuries like shin splints and calf strains, Achilles problems and, and also knee, knees. Yeah, knee pain. Yeah. yeah, So I teach people to you know to shorten their stride so that their feet are landing underneath them and not to dorsiflex their ankle because uh, that creates the heel strike you know yeah. what i'm saying something something else shouldn't hurt because it's different than a coach like a coach is giving you a training plan to try and improve your speed your speed yeah whereas i don't know what the right word is teacher it's, yeah really i suppose and yeah but what mechanics. i say to people is okay everybody wants to run fast but you have to think of it like this. First, you have to learn good mechanics and build some distance mm. with the mechanics. And then the speed will happen much easier. So speed is a byproduct of good running form. Mm. But unfortunately, people start the other way around. They want to run fast first. And, and, and that is a problem. And I suppose a lot of beginner runners 
you know, make that mistake and then they get injured and get turned against running, which is unfortunate. Mm. I think in the latter stages of marathons as well, I used to cramp an awful lot. And people mm. always relate cramp to lack of salt or there's a lot of ele- electrolytes. Yeah. Um, but what I actually found mm. when I started being honest with myself is when I started to slow down and my body was fatiguing and whatever form I had, I was totally losing the form. Yes. And yeah. actually... Yeah. Yeah. Bad mechanics was actually creating the cramp. Yes, yeah. The cramps of course, my legs. It was fatiguing yeah. the muscles. Yeah, yeah. People aren't really aware of that. When they talk about cramp, they just think about salt rather than the mechanics. Mechanics, yeah. And they're yeah. actually fatiguing and then they're actually impacting yeah. your muscles in a different but way. But it's like everything else though, Robbie. It's <clears throat> and we talked a little bit about it during the podcast. It's mindset. You know, some people don't want to change. And if you don't want to change then that's that's that like you know so you know i would never be pushing it on people certainly not people people have to come to me i wouldn't be going to them and you have to want to change and you have to want to just put in that little bit of work to change as well if somebody wanted to join one of the sessions how would they get in contact just by email katrina chirunning at gmail.com that's brilliant, Katrina. Yeah. Thanks very much. For Thank your time you, Robbie. Today. Thanks, that and thanks for your information memorable. as well. <laughs> we always, we always learn something from speaking to people, and uh, you know, nobody knows everything, and that's for sure. Like, and every day is a school day, as they say. But uh, hopefully, you know, some people get a little bit of information out of out of our conversation, mm. and uh, just you know, people to be inspired just, yeah i suppose inspired <laughs> but you know as i said nobody goes out there with the intention to run a bad race we all go out there to do our best and continue to enjoy it and you know i suppose for those that are a little bit more serious about it to continue to work to to get the most out of themselves and progress and just realize that you know just keep calm and don't worry about it and as i said my saying is just you know, all you can do is your best on any given day and knowing that you have ran as fast as you possibly could and given it 110%, then, you know, you have to be happy with yourself. That's amazing. Thanks very much. Good stuff, Robbie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Another great episode from one of Ireland's best athletes. It was interesting to hear Katrina's approach to running and I couldn't help thinking how much it aligns with Ian Keith's approach that was, we had on the show a few weeks ago. Is it purely a coincidence that these are two of the most successful athletes that I have ever seen? I'll leave you with this. Why can't we be the best in what we do? Is our physical ability more restricting than our own self-misbelief? How much more could we achieve if we had a little more confidence in ourselves? Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.